0: You're scared, ain't ya? You should be. Christmas Eve is the scariest damn night of the year. I'd be scared too if I was you. You know what happens Christmas Eve, don't ya?
1: You know all
0: about Santa Claus.
2: I knew from the get-go it was going to get an enormous amount of criticism. People wanted to see, well, what is this that that I'm not allowed to see? To advertise the film coming out in
0: all theaters around Christmas time, you know, maybe in retrospect they would have done that a little different. They showed ads for the movie like a week before 10 days
1: were open on Sunday afternoon, when the whole family in the Midwest is around watching the Green Bay Packer football game, Mom, Dad, little Johnny, little Amy, you know, they're all watching it. The and there's the, there's the trailer, you know, in, 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 a, in a commercial for Silent Night, Deadly Night. You know, with the with the narrator, he knows when you've been naughty. You see Santa's hands grab for an axe on the wall. You know, parents already had it with Friday the 13th, one, two, whatever, Halloween, my bloody Valentine, all the graduation day. And now, oh my God, it's nothing sacred. Now they're taking Santa and turning him into a killer. Today, people would just go, you know, that's nothing. You
3: see Santa Claus tonight, you better run, boy. You better run for your life.
1: You've made it through Halloween. Now try and survive Christmas. Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent, here with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hey, guys, how's it going?
2: Merry great. Christmas.
1: <laughs> Slaying. The Speak All Evil holiday party rolls on here into week two. Uh, Dave, how was your vacation? Uh, it was great, thank you. I feel very uh, rejuvenated. That's what we heard from Kat after hers. It seems like people really, the the breaks from this really do wonders for people, I guess. I'm told.
3: My skin looks great after... Weeks after my vacation.
0: I didn't take a break from horror movies, though. No, naturally, no. Uh, This week,
1: we're talking about a couple more Christmas horror movies, beginning with my selection, Silent Night, Deadly Night, from 1984. This is a rental right now. You can rent it pretty much anywhere for cheap. This was directed by Charles Sellier, Jr., who I did not know created both the book and television show the Life and Times of Grizzly Adams. He's also done a ton of other stuff oh. for TV. Yeah, yeah, that was the director of this uh, little number. He's done a ton of stuff for TV. Um, I absolutely love this movie. I think that sometimes people think that it's a gag that I like to talk about this movie, but it's not at all. And I can get into why I love it so much. But um, I just want to set it up real quick. It's hard to imagine in this day and age just how controversial a movie this was at the time in 1984. There were real, live, human protests outside movie theaters, protests at the malls. The movie was pulled within one week from theaters. It ran for a week. Yeah, and it still made its money back and more. It was a hit for the time that it was out. uh, And it was never re-released. So it's become kind of a cult classic since then. Um, Pretty simple setup. I think of this as a reverse Batman. You have little Billy sees both of his parents (laughs) brutally murdered on Christmas Eve by a guy dressed as Santa Claus but instead of using that as motivation to fight crime and dedicate himself to justice he actually just gets PTSD and uh, as an adult is uh, triggered (laughs) violently triggered by Christmas and specifically triggered by Santa Claus which I think is a more realistic depiction of the reaction somebody would probably have to what he went through. There are a lot of other traumatic incidents along the way that we can get into, but I think that this is the greatest Christmas horror movie (laughs) of all time. Kevin, I'd love to hear what you thought of this.
2: Wow. So I have a weird relationship with this movie because I think it's so bad but it's so essential to Christmas horror that it's required viewing at least once. But it's not a good movie. It's not well acted. Um, it's it really kind of clunkers along. But I I still love it. It's <laughs> no, I, 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 I still love it. And so here's the th- I was thinking about this today, like how I was thinking about how to like convey this. You know, and I think as horror lovers, we all understand what it's like to really love something, even though you know it's not good. We sort of live our lives with wearing that badge. But I think the reason that this movie means so much to people that love it is it did such a good job with like a few. I'm not even going to say a few iconic scenes, a few iconic shots, like a bloody axe dripping in the snow for like a split second. And also everything that you see about this movie the images the posters all of them are better than the movie itself it's like better marketed than it is actually you know the content of the movie and i also love the fact that this is one of the i think i think this is one of the original horror movies that totally found its legs in a a video store this was one of those movies that you walked by in a video store and you saw Silent Night Deadly Night with a bloody Santa with the axe and you were like I have to watch this. So I I mean I have a lot of problems True. with it. There are a lot of things I love about it and 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 I'll get into that, but that's my very non-committal love and hate take on Silent Night Deadly Night. What a grinch. <laughs> <laughs> uh
3: I honestly I really wasn't expecting this but I loved this movie. Yeah. I I, uh, it was just, I think it's because it was just so campy, but, like, was still taking itself so seriously. Whenever the evil Santa, like, says the one-word sentences, like, when he's, like, about to hack someone, it's like, naughty, punish. Like, it's just so good. Punish. Um, Punish. (laughs) The deaths were, like, just gory enough where I, like, got my little gore fix, um, but obviously, I think the sledding death would probably be everyone's favorite of the uh, of the film. Um, it was I thought it was like a little interesting because I thought it was going to go regular Batman, like normal way Batman, where he was going to be like, I'm going to just be acts and people that deserve it all year long. I'm like, yeah, I get it, Santa. But then it took that turn. And I'm like, "Ooh, OK. All right. That's that's one way to play it. Um, it's also a really fun example of the incompetence of the 80s police in that they just fire towards groups of children multiple times. <laughs> 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 He's like, I got him, pew, a pew. And there's like a sea of children behind them, just like, what? And I'm like, I'm very surprised one of those kids didn't get taken out. Uh, but yeah, I thought this was a fun uh, Christmas watch, and I'm very happy to have watched it.
0: I loved this movie. I loved it as a kid. Um, And I loved it now. I I feel like it gets lumped into this, uh, you know, this like cliche, like uh, seasonal thing. But I think it stands on its own as one of like the best, most pure slasher movies. Like I'd say even more than Friday the 13th or Halloween. It's such a pure slasher, uh, the way all the deaths are executed and the characters uh, that are bad are so unsavory. I think the grandfather in the beginning is something I remember from my childhood <laughs> oh my God. that was very disturbing. And, and the acting that's like so bad that it's like perfect. If you turn it a notch, either way, it wouldn't work, but it does for this. Um, and I think it's a great story. I that I the The church is involved. I think the heavy hand of the nuns, and the church and all that stuff is actually pretty modern thinking uh, for a movie from the 80s. We often find that uh, when we're, you know, watching some of these old horror movies is that, you know, it's com- it's coming from an underdog perspective or a non, you know, uh, straight and narrow perspective. Uh, the, you know, the outsiders, the weirdos, uh, the non uh The the conformist, you know, whatever. But uh, I I love this movie. I think it's just straight up a great slasher. Um, One of my favorites.
1: Yeah, I had first off, same take. This is just a great slasher movie. This holds up as well as any 80s slasher you're going to find. Forget the Christmas stuff. It's just a great slasher. Um, But more importantly to me, I'm just going to run down just a few things off the top of my head that are uh, on the mind of this movie. Trauma, PTSD, the Catholic Church, parental discipline, sexual repression by the Church, by society, by ourselves, guilt, be it sexual or a survivor, faults, moralizing, uh, the line between punishment and pure sadism, and the concept of punishment as a whole, as a culture and society. I think that the movie, to me, is, is really about how we use all of those things to control kids and get kids to do what we want them to do and not do what we don't want them to do and the kind of damage that that sort of mentality can cause and I think it's asking the question and maybe answering how healthy is that as a culture that this is how we we deal with children this is like our our whole like mindset uh, in, in raising kids is this idea of transgression and punishment, naughty and punishment. And it re- actually reminded me of a conversation I had with Kevin a couple years ago uh, about Elf on a Shelf. I don't know if you remember, <laughs> Kevin, we talked about Elf on a Shelf. And you, you told me, in my memory at least, you said that you didn't like Elf on a Shelf because you felt like it's, you got to put some creepy... Old guy in your house to watch over you day and night and if you're good enough and you perform for this creep Then that's the barometer of like how to behave and that's telling you why you should be good or bad and whatever And that it was like at odds with your sort of concept of parenting I don't know if you remember
2: that. Oh, I remember that, you know fondly because I believe the first year that we had Elf on the Shelf uh, you were getting uh, nightly updates of what yes. was happening <laughs> with the elf on the shelf cuz I mean you and I went pretty deep down there I still feel I that way I forgot about that part. I still feel that way um but that was that was when Nora was much younger nowadays we're still doing it purely out of innocence right you know we we know that she's in on the gag she doesn't want to tell us but we're we're just doing it Pro- probably both sides are doing it for some sort of nostalgia and holding on to innocence but To tack on to what you were just going after, Trent, with the whole kid trauma and controlling kids, it's really interesting to me, and Dave brought this up, you brought up the protests, Trent, of the movie. Dave brought up the Catholic Church element. I think it really should tell us something about our society that this movie rips apart the Catholic Church and nobody cared. But you put an axe in Santa's hand, and all of a sudden, everyone (laughs) is like sacrilege. It really, to talk about what Dave was saying, you know, some of these movies are are, are a lot more woke than we think, or they're almost like Nostradamus-like. This movie should have shown us where we were headed as a culture, that we were more worried about a killer Santa and the tainting of Christmas than the depiction of the Catholic Church abusing children. I mean... Dave loves to say it retail detail I mean the movie even has a toy store in it as a major setting like we were more concerned about the commercialization of Christmas and Santa than we were some of these really really deep issues that were going on with child trauma with a lack of help we've talked about that before that these people that go through trauma they don't have the proper resources to get help. Um, I thought that was really the biggest thing that I took away from this movie, other than a ton of boobs and some great kills. (laughs) Well, Elf on a Shelf is the least of your
0: problems because you have the Elf on Shelf watching you, but then you have Santa Claus watching everybody, Jesus watching everybody, God watching everybody. I'm pretty sure the Tooth Fairy is in on it and the Easter Bunny. You know, it's the, the paranoia that they create here to control uh, little kids is really sickening.
2: Yeah, and it's a lot easier to think about that than as I sit here with an iPad, a smart TV, two laptops with cameras on them. There's a lot more people watching us than just fucking Santa and God.
3: A big shout out to
0: one of my favorite Scream Queens, uh, Linnea Quigley, uh, in this movie.
2: Yeah, yes. Night of the she's Demons, a, baby. She's a lot of classics.
0: Yep, her nipples turned into lipstick.
2: <laughs> uh, doesn't make any sense, but I can't I'm wait for I can't wait for an episode. Where we get to talk about- Night oh, of the Demons. Night of the Demons. Oh, okay. I
3: was like, did I miss something in this movie? <laughs>
1: Not her in boobs. This and
0: she's in like uh, Return of the Living Dead, and all kinds of all kinds of cool uh, horror movies.
1: Yeah, Kat, if you hadn't given up on the on the boo blog, this
0: this would be your boo blog would be
3: overflowing oh. on Whew. this one. Yeah, it would have been a real page-turner on oh, this episode.
0: I really wanted to point out that this is the first hairy butthole that we've had oh on God. any episode. <laughs> I couldn't believe, as the camera slowly panned up... Thank the, you. It, I mean, wanted someone else to bring it would up be before really, I did. I, would be really understating what this was. Whew. It was not peach fuzz, but it was the color of peach fuzz. Mm. We didn't, but we, it are you thicket.
2: sure we didn't get a hairy butthole in the Greasy Strangler? Because I feel like that could be like its like tagline or something. Oh,
0: I
3: forgot. No, about the I don't strangler.
2: think
0: so. It, it was just slow pan up, and we we're like, "What are we looking at? <laughs> I'm like, That's a hairy ass." <laughs> That's an unshorn of, asshole. Of course, it's
3: that one moment uh. where there's those memes where it's like when I'm watching the show by myself, and then when someone else walks in. Of course, when Jimmy walks in, it's like panning up the butt, and he's like, "Is that a hairy butt?" <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, that's a hairy man butt." And he's like, "Jimmy's cool, Jimmy's psyched." Cool. He's like, "Oh, off to work." Watching porno. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, he wishes. Yeah, I had a
0: friend stop in when I was watching this, and uh, it stopped on the like the part. It just looks like I'm watching porn. Uh, <laughs> that,
2: that, it's one of those. They're always that's in like the same that's 60% position of too. this movie. You have, I mean, yeah. you have like a pretty high percentage chance of pausing this movie and it looks like porn. True. True. That's a good point. I
1: hadn't thought of that. But speaking of the boobs and the sex, it's a roulette and, and the roulette uh, game, and the hairy buttholes <laughs> and some of the, the larger themes, I thought one of the scenes that best illustrated the sort of duality that we're talking about is when the um, babysitter is having sex or whoever's minding the, the small uh, girl she's having sex with her boyfriend on the pool table and it's christmas eve and the little girl is obviously like anxious about you know who sleeps on christmas eve as a kid nobody uh, as far as i know and she gets up and uh she like so almost catches them in the act of having sex and the babysitter says you're bad for staying up like threatens her with Santa Claus because she's just, because she's trying to have sex. She's trying to do something probably uh, she probably shouldn't be doing in that moment. I don't know, you know maybe I'm not I'm not judging the actions, but she's like using saying telling this little girl that she's bad, just like for existing and like happening to walk in on what's going on when she had absolutely nothing to do with it.
2: Well, you're forgetting about one of the greatest lines of the movie. After she says that, she she tells the little girl after the girl causes them to stop having sexy time, she says, if you don't go to bed, Sin is not going to come tonight. And the boyfriend looks at her and says, he's not the only one.
0: Oh. Hey. Hey.
1: <laughs> that's That's the kind of 80s slasher goodness that this movie serves up in heaps, like uh, a big bowl of eggnog, in my
0: opinion.
3: Mm, a bowl of eggnog? I, I feel like it's a pretty,
1: I mean, yeah, you get party. caught
0: by a kid... A kid catches you uh, having sex. You just be like, oh, "I'm just making more kids. I like kids so much. I'm making more of them."
2: <laughs> what?
0: So I mean, there's lots of that. There's lots of uh, there's lots of uh, kids having PTSD from mm. early sexual experiences in this movie. The
1: trauma, though, is about it's about the punishment behind discovering the sex, and that happens to Billy in the orphanage too. Like, just just uncovering the knowledge that's in front of your eyes is like bad and you get punished for it so no wonder you might have hang-ups about sex and and
2: and that scene is one of the truly tense scenes of this movie one of the most horrific scenes of this movie is when billy randomly inexplicably finds this young couple having sex decides that they're naughty punish (laughs) and does has his way with them and then he goes to the little girl that is one of the most terrifying scenes in this movie. That is legitimately mm. tense and he's asking the little girl, Have you been good? And you know, have you been naughty? And he won't let it go. Like and, and it really pushes it to the to the edge where you're like, Well, they've already put Santa in a suit and he's killing people. So is it really out of the realm of possibility that this little girl's not gonna get box cuttered right now? Oh no.
1: Oh.
3: That was so yeah.
2: scary. I
1: know. Like,
2: are they really gonna do that? Is he gonna?
1: Is he gonna slash the toddler?
3: I appreciated how confident she was, though. She was like, nah, man, I've been good all year." And he's like, <laughs> yeah. "You sure?" And she's like, "Fuck yeah, I have." And it's like, I'm "Like, good Fist for you. You me, go, Santa. Glenn Coco. Yeah."
0: Who staffed this toy store? These people. <laughs> uh, this is a really like greasy bunch of people. Yeah. Working. My toy cousin store. Vinny's
2: working in the back. <laughs>
0: Yeah, the guy in the back with, like, the blue Oxford and the perm. Drinking. <laughs>
3: Just oh. Real curly.
0: Drinking J&B on the job. No big
1: deal. I thought, yeah, I was
3: like, I think J&B sponsored this film because it shows up very frequently. I was waiting
2: for Kurt Russell to bust yeah. into the delivery.
1: Yeah, there must have been a time. that That's the thing that comes up over and over in these old horror movies is the J&B. Even so, when we talked about We Are Still Here, the newer, like, version of those, they had the imitation B and J. J&B that we talked about. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, it's all homage it, it's, it's so to
2: the thing. It's it's, it's everybody kind of paying tribute to the thing.
1: Oh, OK, great. Easter egg. But I, I hadn't thought but of that. But I loved the,
2: my cousin Vinny. Every time they showed him, he's in the back room with, with Billy, who is our, our poor, traumatized, soon to be serial killing Santa. The guy always has his feet up on the desk doing nothing. <laughs> And then yeah. Christmas Christmas rolls around this toy store and Billy starts having some PTSD creep in. Oh, no, I got to deal with Christmas and Santa again. And like all, all of a sudden, out of the blue one day, you know, Vinny, I don't even know what his real name is. He's like, Andy? what the fuck is think... wrong with you? What yeah. the fuck is wrong yeah. with you? Like, you're a total fuck up. But we just like went through a whole montage of Billy lifting heavy things and picking them up and putting them down and doing a good job <laughs> and helping people it's it's there's a lot of scenes that we talk about that are fun scenes but when you stitch the movie together it very much feels like a fucked up quilt
3: i did love that montage though
2: oh the a montage. montage
3: that was a perfect 80s montage <laughs> it was yeah
1: they montage six months they montage spring <laughs> to christmas <laughs> at the just store boxes
3: it's the just longest like, yeah, montage ever i'm a man but- i'm not a boy
2: it is a real eighties montage that gives you hope.
3: Like it works.
2: I'm it was too early like, in the
3: film for hope. I'm rooting for the Billy. The song
0: that plays during that is amazing. Uh there's some really great, like uh Christmas songs I wasn't familiar with in this movie that I actually really liked. Uh yeah, I that was shut uh, down, but... that that's a song called Warm
1: Side of the Door, I think you're referring to, which yes, is very yeah. really <laughs> random very <laughs> lyrics. Weird. But during that montage, they have they show um, Vinny, who are we're calling him Vinny now. Um, they show him. <laughs> they show him offering Billy the J and B racist, and and Billy says no and gets a yeah, thing of milk. He's like, he's so pure that he's like, no, thanks on the booze on the job. I'm just gonna have this milk right here. Um, and I thought that kind of illustrated another major point of this movie, which is that not everybody loves Christmas, and you know, some people, many people, have like very good personal reasons for not. Being filled with Christmas cheer, and Billy is one of those people, obviously to a a great extreme. But everybody's constantly like trying to force it down his throat, and I think he's a weirdo if he doesn't love Christmas. And I thought that was like maybe a little bit of a metaphor for how much we expect everybody to jump for joy and not be a Scrooge and a Grinch and all this, and embrace this the tidings of the season. And it's like you know that's not everybody's experience, and we should all, you know, as a person who enjoys Christmas, you know, I try to remember that not everybody loves Christmas. And uh, Billy, least of all, to the extent that he they actually force him to be Santa Claus at the store, the store Santa has called out, and Billy is called into duty. Uh, You got to gut up, kid, you're going to be Santa. It's just like, it's such a great evolution of
0: the story. I love that. I honestly think if that was my story and all those things happened to me, I would probably just kill people, too. Yeah. I mean, that's like they put him through a lot. Like, the nuns put him through a lot. Then they're putting him in the costume. I probably would have spoken up before that. But uh, their Christmas party, man, that's, like, my scene. Like, I would love to be trapped in a toy store with, like – There's like five or six people and then everyone's having sex and one guy's just getting hammered out of his
2: mind. (laughs) And (laughs) it's really sad, but I love it. We're not talking about the greatest character in the movie, which is Mr. Sims, the guy that owns and runs the toy store. The boss of the toy store. He is the best character. And when they finish their shift and it's Christmas Eve... He locks the doors, and he's like, yes, it's over. He just turns around. He goes, time to get shit-faced. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Isn't he in, like, Pee-wee's Big Adventure or something? Uh, I recognized him from Weird Science, and I also remembered him from the—he's, like, the big redneck hunter in The Great Outdoors.
3: I did try to watch the sequel. I did uh, not make it far. Not, I it.
2: told you not to do that.
3: I know, but I was like, I have, you know, I have an an hour and a half like to kill. The
0: sequel.
3: But I had just watched the first one. And so I was like, I don't Let's know if I want to watch the exact same film again. So I just watched uh, the Golden Girls uh, Christmas episodes.
1: You did man. watch the exact same film again because the sequel is even more classic 80s in that the whole sequel is all just flashbacks of the first it's one it's so bad oh my,
3: it was literally i thought you guys were exaggerating and then it was no. literally the same exact movie for like the first 15 minutes so i'm like uh yeah i'm, I'm gonna, watching it now
2: know. i just put it on i was watching it last i think last week or the week before and i texted trent and i was like i'm watching silent night deadly night 2 i'm 40 minutes in and they're still just doing flashbacks <laughs> of the first movie 40 minutes in
3: <laughs> how many years later did that one come out
2: Ah uh, like f- I think it was like 1989? Many. Yeah. Or So 87. not that many. <laughs> I think it was 87 it's actually. Like four I think it years. was like 3 or 4 years after.
3: Yeah. At least wait like a decade and then you can recreate the movie.
1: Another uncommonly extreme part of this movie is when Billy's punishment at the Catholic orphanage leads to him being tied to a bed by all four yeah. limbs. With leather belts. I was like, what is going on? That is really tough stuff. It's very weird. Yeah,
2: you're probably not going to grow up super well-adjusted if a nun is forcefully tying you to a bed and telling you you're a piece of shit. <laughs>
3: it's so- and you didn't <laughs> even pay.
2: Questionable <laughs> tactics. Exactly. So, so speaking of that, I so as I was thinking about it with the whole people are more worried about a killer Santa than they are the Catholic Church, I started to wonder how much better this movie potentially could have been or how much different it could have been if you left Santa out of it altogether. You could have done a version of this movie where sure. his parents are killed not by a guy in a Santa suit. It has nothing to do with Christmas, and it purely focuses on his PTSD, his treatment in the Catholic Church. I mean, he could have, this could have happened... In any in any scenario, and I I don't know maybe I'm alone and thinking that that's an interesting way to think about it, but I really wonder what this movie could have been like if it focused on his mental issues in the Catholic orphanage and left Santa out. But that's the gag, that you know that that's
1: why it's a thing that you could get financed and get out there and people would pay attention to. Uh, I I liked that that I liked that sort of that's just sort of like the vehicle that they put the gag in is that right about, right. about yeah. Christmas. <laughs>
2: Nowadays, it would have been like a two and a half hour like dramatization,
1: uh, and
2: yeah, yeah, I I I know this is this has all the 80s charm you could ever want from from a movie made in this time period. I, I also want to point out that the protests. So you you mentioned that it was pro it protested heavily because of the depiction of Santa as a killer. It was pulled out of theaters after a week or two. It came out the same day as Nightmare on Elm Street, and actually and outgrossed. It. Outgross Nightmare on Elm Street. So this thing made $2.5 million in a very brief theater run against a whopping $750,000 budget. And I can only imagine the money it made in VHS sales because it was a hot commodity when it finally hit the shelves. Uh, Siskel and Ebert hated this movie so much that they went on Donahue and spoiled the entire movie, called oh. out all the major players, and after their name said, Shame, shame, shame. And urge people not to go see it.
0: It sounds like Trent's review of *The Visit*. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you can still see
0: the, the
1: Siskel and Ebert review of *Silent Night, Deadly Night* on YouTube, and I love it. And that, yeah,
2: that's kind of the gag I was doing. <laughs> it's legendary. It's it's so legendary. So the lead actor, Robert Brian Wilson, who played Billy as Hulking Billy, eighteen. I think he was supposed to be eighteen years old, but he looks like a twenty-six-year-old college football player. At least. Yeah, he does. Uh he <laughs> felt so bad about this that he started to urge family and friends to not go see it. And oh. he distanced himself from the movie what? until this is another one of those actor doesn't Because he realize. didn't know he had hair in his ass, his wife. <laughs> 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 he wasn't shown the the, the the final print. So I don't if, know my my ass could
0: look like that. I'm talking shit about
2: it, but my ass could look just <laughs> like that. I'd have no idea. <laughs> So years later when he discovered this was a cult classic, uh, he did come around and you can now find him touring around and doing horror conventions. Yeah, sure, has of, nothing course. To do yeah with of course. Fuck that guy. Can. Yeah. It's nothing to do with finances. No,
3: absolutely. Uh, but
2: yeah, and, and and it's weird Charles Sellier Jr that you talked about Trent, he has this really bizarre filmography. You know, he's the dude responsible for Grizzly Adams. He did a ton of documentaries and a ton of TV movies. Silent Night, Deadly Night is a glaring exception in the history of this guy's work. I have no idea where this came from, um, but uh, sounds like a lot of people are glad that it did. Oh, and did you guys notice? For some... Did you guys notice that in certain parts of the movie, like the the quality would degrade for entire yes. sections? That was really yes. bugging me, and I, I was did. like, "Man, yeah. can this movie get any more like B status?" Yeah. So I, I, It was bothering me so much I looked it up What that is, is all of the really bad footage Was cut out of the theatrical release So they okay. didn't want that in
1: It never got finished really
2: Yeah it never got finished but they wanted to do like a director's cut The way that Sellier intended it for it to be, for it to be. So that's why that looks like that So okay, I can give them sense. a pass for that But it was bugging the shit yeah, out of me the weird. first time I watched it
0: I didn't know if it was like a prime video thing
1: yeah, I thought they must have had to go with like secondary, the secondary camera or something on certain parts or like I, it was it's clear that something is going on. It was drastic though.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah big <exactly>. time. <laughs> Bells will be ringing. The glad glad news. Oh, what a Christmas. Do have blue. My baby's gone.
3: My pick for this week was Rare Exports, which I've watched many times before. I think it's a very cute and lovely Christmas film. Uh, It's about a young boy and his friend are exploring the wilderness around their house in Finland when they come across a drilling operation on the top of one of the mountains that surround their beautiful little idyllic town. Uh, They're convinced that those people drilling have found the tomb of Santa Claus. On Christmas Eve, Santa is unearthed, but he's not the holly jolly man that we've come to know and love. The children of the town disappear, and the boy and his father, along with the town tough boys, must capture Santa and send him back where he belongs. Uh, I, <laughs> I think this is obviously, I think it's a fun take on like the evil Santa or the, or the Krampus if you will. Uh, There's not much gore, but there's definitely like a spooky Christmas magic vibe to it. I'd say it's more of like a dark comedy as opposed to a horror movie. Um, It also has this like underlying theme of corporations being evil and ruining lives of everyday folk, which I think is uh, uh, very topical around Christmas time because of the commercialism and blah, 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 blah. As well as some of the performances from the boy and the Men of the Town, I thought were very were very good. I thought the acting was really good in this uh, in this film. I believed everyone when they were scared of the evil Santa things. Um, and I think this was like a sh- it was a couple of short films before it was translated into the actual movie that you see today. so I think they got a lot of uh good actors through that that kind of stuff um. There's also a horde of Santa dicks, which I really appreciated. Uh, that was really a plus for me that there was a lot of male frontal uh, Santa nudity running mm. around in the wilderness. Mm. Um, and I just think it's it's I watch it every year. I think it's funny. I just love it. It made me feel very Christmas me very, very much in the spirit this year. So what did you guys think?
0: What's funny about the. Uh, The horde of elderly dicks that you speak of (laughs) is that... Santa dicks. When you rent this movie online or you watch it online, uh, it says, foul language and violence. That's what it says under the parental thing when you start it. So I sat down with my daughter to watch this movie, (laughs) and it turns into a full-on elderly gangbang (laughs) at the end. Uh, There's more dicks that I could count. Um, A dick log. I kept telling her, I, kept, I, got, I was like, no, don't worry, there's no nudity. And she's like, Papa, I'm like it's not nudity. And she's like, I, I could see. And I was like, no, it's not nudity. It's all grayed out or something. It's like a shadow. She's like, I'm pretty sure I saw something. Mm. And it's very misleading because the whole movie up to that point is so motherfucking whimsical. You would think you were watching Harry Potter. And then all of a sudden, all the dicks. Um, so I, in the context of my life, I did not enjoy that <laughs> of the movie. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I, I liked it. I expected more from it. I really wanted to like it. I liked that it was, uh, Finnish. I liked, um, that area has the potential to scare me very much. Other like crazy, scary white people, um, but it, it didn't ever really do that. And I was kind of pissed they didn't show uh, the Santa Claus. It was really anticlimactic to me uh, that they just, you know, kaboom. I don't know. Try not to spoil it. But um, but I did really want to like it. And I've started this movie a few times. But it takes a while, in my opinion, for it to really get going. And then I don't really know the tone because, I mean, there's some dicks and there's some crazy violence um, but it's like based around children and it's kind of confusing to me.
1: <laughs> I love this one. Um do I love it as much as Silent Night, Deadly Night, or Krampus? No. But I like this one a lot. I think this is a kind of underappreciated gem, which you will see people say on the computer, and I agree with that. <laughs> um, this is to me, this movie is the thing of Finnish family. Christmas horror movies right down to the sure. fa- right down to you have the Finnish Kurt Russell in this and you have no women in the entire movie cat you pointed exactly. that out I never I never thought about that with the thing but you pointed that out when we talked about the thing there isn't a single solitary woman not even an extra not even no. referenced not even talked about now this is a movie about ostensibly families, in a sense. This is a small little town, and uh, there's kids about kids. It's, it's from the perspective the main character is a child. Um, so, And then, you know, it's like his friend and all the other kids in the town and the fathers, they're all kind of dealing with this stuff. A- at no point does anyone have a wife, a daughter, mm-hmm. a sister, a mother. Like, they're just... No, no. Women d- there, don't, there don't are. I didn't notice that.
2: There are. I
3: thought, that, I thought the little boy's friend was a girl for a, for most of the film. The first time I watched it.
2: (laughs) Mullet. And then
3: at the end, I realized that it was a boy. And I was like, oh, good for them. They have very soft features and nice hair.
2: Yeah, I was surprised when I watched this again. I've watched this a number of times. Came out in 2010. So we've had 10 years to enjoy Rare Exports. This was a critical darling. And we're talking about some of the things that we wish we had and, and didn't get. But it was a pretty low budget, as you can imagine. It was only about $2 million. So, Dave, the, the kind of payoff that I think you were looking for, I would have loved that as well. But what I want to appreciate is that the filmmakers made a decision to take the $2 million that they had, and that's, that's U.S. dollars, and they decided to make the film look really good. So you probably could have gotten some more CGI or some more practical effects, but they just made this film look really good. I was also shocked that Cat picked a film that didn't have any woman in it, and I had never noticed that. And this is at least the third or fourth time that I saw that. The only reference that I could find, uh, and I, I didn't go back when the movie ended to be like, okay, I need to really nail this theory down or, or my facts. the the one the one guy I think uh, p- p- Piparian <laughs> Piparian mm-hmm. the names are yeah forgot <laughs> the names <laughs> in this one I, I wasn't even gonna, gonna try yeah he he talks about his wife's hair dryer. So there is a reference to some sort of otherwise I was like, what is this like some village where they send all divorced dads who got (laughs) custody of their kids and And they're pissed about it? Yeah. (laughs) Here's the thing about this movie. It pulled off a really magical thing for me in that when I watch this movie, I find that it makes me believe in Santa Claus without me even realizing it. That's the great thing about it. As an adult you watch the movie and you're like fuck yeah man Santa's real and you don't really think about it it's it's really well done it's 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 barely a horror movie I would say that when they capture Santa in some fucking kill room that that's mm-hmm. okay you're waiting for Dexter to walk in and finish the job and there are other horror elements and gore elements to it but it is barely a horror movie Honestly, this is like a one-man Goonies. It's like, you know, mm. Piatari, the main character, child is like, he's like doing the Goonies without any buddies, and I <laughs> I, I love this movie. I think the third <laughs> act is bonkers, and then it gives you a fourth act that you never see coming,
1: and no. it's brilliant.
2: Well, you mentioned Kevin that this looks really
1: good, and I thought I really. It's, it struck me that the camera work in this is is shot in what I would call like very classic family style camera work. For example, mm. when um, the kid, is he has all his books and like the camera comes up over the books. So the, the books are like this is just right out of the family classic playbook. I thought all the camera work was like that. And it was enjoyable to me. Like, obviously, I don't watch a lot of family style movies, but this was like enough for me to get into um, beyond that, but it definitely has that uh, that that vibe just through the through the camera work alone.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think first and foremost, the acting in this is great. Cat, you mentioned that the kid that plays Piatari is unreal, and you know, even more credit than the way that they shot the movie and it looks really good. Even better credit to the character development because you know, you if you're gonna have a, a movie with zero female energy. You need some good actors and you need to have a good script. And the kid that plays Piatari is phenomenal. But the guy that plays his dad, Rauno, really, really good. This movie is really about mm-hmm. com- coming of age as a man. And it's about... You, you know the relationships that you have with your your dad or the older men in your life or the men in your village So mm. most of the themes from this movie have nothing to do with horror that was just an added. Hey, let's kind of like we talked about with Silent Night, Deadly Night. You know, Santa was just the vehicle that they put it in. This movie is kind of the same way, too. And, you know, it being set in the place where the legend of Santa is said to have come from this part of Finland bordering Russia, it made sense. It gave them a good vehicle to do it. They had two very popular short films to get them their funding. But there's way, way more than Old Guy Dick and Big Scary (laughs) Santa in this movie they they were doing like a a really really heartfelt movie but why do you have to have
0: so many old guy dicks in a family movie
3: why <laughs> do <I laughs> you what, have boobs all the time why it, can't we throw some it makes old so it's like go. in
0: finland i mean is it more liberal in fin- finland and i'm just not used to it cuz i'm a stupid american yes they have a clawfoot tub in the kitchen and grandpas just there with his everything hanging out is that I what hope i mean not.
2: It's like a really Listen, fucked Factory. I don't, and the I don't know what it's factory. like and
0: I'm trying to be open minded, but I mean it's so many old guy dicks. I'm just I don't think no, I've seen that many collectively in my life.
3: No one bats an eyelash this week when friggin' boobs are flopping to and fro, but as soon as you throw a horde of dicks in, everyone's all up in arms about it.
0: I would I would okay? argue that dicks are grosser. I are would they, argue that no matter what I you whatever also... <laughs> j- sexual preference you have, dicks are grosser. Listen, well, we could talk about the scrotum if you like, but I would not like to.
3: I'm not trying to say I don't love a good dick. Obviously, we all appreciate a nice penis, but I mean, sometimes you got to throw a bunch of ugly just a ones little in more too. You know than, what I mean? Like, I don't
0: know, have I been conditioned to boobs? Is this what's happened to me? I think yes. so. I think
3: that's what's happening. Yeah, I think yeah. that is. Yeah, we're all used to boobs bring the dicks bring on the dicks that's what i always say um i will say back to like the father son relationship i thought that was like a very nice part of it because you go into it thinking this dad's just being a dick he's being too hard on his boy because they're wilderness men and yada 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 but then the dad like tries to make a christmas roast and he bakes gingerbread cookies and then the son's like oh these are just like mom used to make and that is like the dad's like silently crying He's trying to be stoic. He's like, "Go to bed." He's like, "I can't." And then he's like hiding his tears, and he's doing the same mm. thing that he did before. He's like, "You're being not good. Boys aren't up this late, you know." Yada yada yada. But this one's a little bit more heartfelt because you see the little tears happening, and then he wakes up and the roast is burnt, and he's like, "You could tell." He's up, he throws the you know he throws the towel literally, and then is upset about it and then almost dies in a bear trap in the chimney. So it's like a really nice, you know, it shows like a father-son relationship. Like he's obviously upset that his wife is no longer around. That could That's a potential female character that could have been in this film. Um, but she was there in our hearts and in, in, in the Christmas spirit.
1: That's a really great uh, perspective, Kat. I didn't really, I kind of glossed over that scene. That's a very important scene in this because as you say the this father is like the most stoic guy like imaginable it's like man what is up this guy's ass yeah. you know he was like cutting um, up
3: pigs and stuff yeah and... but
1: but that scene where he cries that is really like that's the heart of the movie i mean this is it occurs to me only now that you bring that up that, that this is about a single parent as a man usually usually you see single parents as women because that's usually who ends up doing the single parenting. Let's face it, um, but this is this is about being a single parent, in, in 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 large part, at least in part.
3: Yeah, and then at the end, when when the kids, when the boys, like, tell my dad what I did, I'm like, oh, he's gonna be so proud of you.
2: Oh. <laughs> and the helicopter pilot is like, whatever. He's like, go oh, cool. I can fly bye. anything. Yeah, <laughs> give me yeah, anything. I, I did like that kid. The main character kid was good. I mean, I I I did like the movie. Well I think that I think the scene that Trent was just talking about and Cat was talking about that is what really nailed it for me because you know they're at the table they own, all they have is gingerbread cuz the roast was burned and the dad does cry but what the scene that got me and this is why I love the direction of this movie he looked out the window so that his son couldn't see like a single tear come down That's right and his, sent him his away his face and you're like, man, this guy is, like, so heavy. And then he's like, go to your room. Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you can't see me being non-manly. The other, the other aspect of this movie that I didn't catch until this time is, did you notice? So the way that they get into sort of like Santa land here is the whole purpose of this town. And this is another, uh, you know, societal thing and gender thing I think that we could talk about is the men have to herd all of the reindeer that come through this this region and they capture all the reindeer in a pen. I think that Pietari's dad, Rauno, that we're talking about, has been established as the butcher and they make their money for the whole year slaughtering reindeer and selling the meat. And that's just another thing of like the men taking care of the town. And, you know, that's their that's their role here. Like that's what they need to do. And it's been taken away from them. So in preparation of this, Rano is digging a wolf pit. So a wolf trap. He's digging a big ass hole in his yard, putting a bunch of stakes in the bottom of it, and hanging a friggin' pig's head over it to try to lure wolves in so that the wolves don't attack the reindeer and they can harvest them. Well, something falls into the wolf trap that's not a wolf. And when Pietari and Rano go out to check it out, Rano sees, you know, what's in that pit, and he's like, get the hell away from here. So that's when we kind of get our Santa vibe going. But did you guys notice how his immediate thought, so first of all, for context, the wolf traps are illegal. So he knows he can't get caught with this but his first thing is to like rope his best friends into being culpable like like you know it'd be like you know dave accidentally kills somebody and calls me over like hey kev you want to come over for a drink and like the first thing he does is like show me the dead body and he's like well you're <laughs> yeah. involved too so good luck buddy what are we going to do here yeah and he says that like you're involved
1: in this too like um no he wasn't what? yeah <laughs> he was going to be santa for the whole village well, the, the wolf pit is something that I thought was um, particularly disturbing. Like, if you really think about, I can see why they're illegal. Because it's you, you sharpen a bunch of, uh, you take a bunch of large sticks and you sharpen them to a razor spear point and you put those in a pit and then you cover the pit in leaves that an, and then you bait the animal and the animal will fall through the leaves and just be impaled on all these spikes and probably wouldn't kill him right away the animal would be in there suffering possibly for a long. well until you find them like "Ah, that was really really gruesome uh, really terrible way to hunt i can see why it's illegal but i don't know the dad i guess is so desperate that he's you know he's willing to go to these lengths and he knows that it's wrong he knows it's illegal
3: they're going to the extremes trying to kill whatever they think has taken all of their, uh, all of their funds for the whole, and it's scary to think about in like a, you know, in a seasonal town, like we're in right now, all the restaurants are, uh, freaking out about how we're going to, how they're going to survive the winter during a pandemic. And there's no, uh, help from, uh, the government or anything like that. So all the restaurants are probably going to go under, uh, so I can understand, why they're upset and they're stressed, and they're thinking they're all gonna starve i like
2: I like the pot shot they take at America in this one because the 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 head honcho digging up Santa is an American, so they take a very clear shot at America, like why can't you guys just leave well enough alone? You know you're trying to steal fucking Santa Claus, but I also like the way that this movie keeps a very, very authentic Christmas spirit to it. Like, it it has Christmas spirit throughout this entire movie, especially with Piatari, even though he discovers, you know, they show him going through his books and finding that Santa may not have been great. So it keeps this really authentic Christmas spirit while it absolutely destroys the character of Santa Claus and his legend in the movie.
3: It starts off kind of funny because, you know, it's all about like this corporation, either American or British, European in some way are digging, you know, down into this mountain, and he even has the cards to pass out uh, to the crew. It's like a crew of, I want to say, like six guys, and it has the like the don'ts while you're on the job. And it's like no swearing, no smoking, um, some other probably you know quote unquote naughty stuff. And everyone's yes. just like, what do you, what do you mean, what's going on? So that like sets it up to be like a humorous but also possibly scary kind of situation. And then the fact that it's like the fact that the corporation knows what they're putting all these people through just to get the, you know, weird Santa Claus from the ice. Like it just kind of uh, reiterates the evilness of the, uh, of the Western world.
1: But the thing about that though, is that like by the end of the movie, aren't the citizens of the town, they're just as bad, and maybe they've been corrupted by their experience, and maybe that's part of the point, that they've been corrupted by their experience with this Western commoditization, Western capitalism, but uh, do not we can't get too much into it because um, I don't want to spoil anything, but by the end of the movie, um, I think it comes dangerously close to advocating human trafficking. So I think there might be something (laughs) there. This is the best. I think there might be something there about the influence that this experience has had on these previously maybe barbaric but innocent people.
2: Yeah, this is the most uplifting uh, movie about human trafficking uh, that we have.
1: (laughs) I know. Yeah, this would never pass muster in 2020.
2: I mean, unless it is—it's criticizing. The title is such a spoiler.
1: It's—it's I think that it's criticizing that, and I I think that's one of the points. Is—is like this is what happens when. Uh, capitalism, American-style capitalism comes into some of these places.
2: Ah, uh, so this movie takes place on the border between Finland and Russia, which is historically known or claimed to be the home of Father Christmas. And the mountain that they're digging for Santa in is the Korvatanturi Mountain, which means ear fell for its shape. They, all, they say that this is where far, Father Christmas can hear all of the boys and girls in the world, thus the name Earfell, And the mountain is also said to be where the workshop is and where all the elves live. So none of this North Pole bullshit and none of this other stuff.